Welcome to episode 3 of the Peeps and Plaid podcast. In this episode, we'll discuss who we'd potentially trade CJ for, what kind of role Zach Collins will earn, and what the guard rotation will look like this season, as well as some takeaways from preseason so far, and a couple other topics requested by the listeners. Here's Evolve interlude from Ziggy Zay. Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brain spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't doing shows, so that means if you... I'm Christian Gamaling. And I'm Austin Caphammer. And we are the Pizza and Plaid Podcast. Uh, you can certainly find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook... Uh, most any uh, popular uh, social media platform uh, and or other podcasting platforms. Uh, Spotify is actually now um, have us has us projected on Google Podcasts, I believe, iTunes, Spotify. So if you do have a live streaming application that you like to use, we are more than likely available on it. All right, so let's get into it. So this last week, we asked you guys what did what you wanted us to talk about. So we got some feedback, and that's kind of what we're going to run this episode off of. So first off, Matt Eldridge, you asked for who would we realistically trade CJ for? So that's something I kind of listed off a lot of players, a lot that I would trade him for, and a lot that I could see someone arguing for. So I'm just going to list some off, and Austin, if, if you want to like rapid fire, just kind of go yes, no. Players that we would trade CJ for... There might be, you know, a pick in there or another player in there, but if this was the main part of a trade, would you trade CJ for Tobias Harris? Oh, man, that's actually a really good one. I like that. You know, I think I... Because Tobias is a couple of years younger, I think. So, um, I, I don't know. I would, have to, I would have to say I'd have to look at a little bit more of his body of work. Uh, I know that I think he's, in a, he's going into a contract year, so he might cost a lot. Um, so I, I would have to respectfully abstain from that one. Uh, all I would say is that is that is one of the more attractive hypotheticals I've heard. Yeah, I think the fact that he's more of a wing player is something that Portland would have to consider in that trade. I'm gonna go with no for CJ for Tobias Harris. It's kind of it's a close one for me, um, and he's a really good player. He's only a year younger than CJ, but. It's, it's one of those where if the rest of the trade was right, I might go for it, but I'll keep CJ in that situation. So what about Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes. Um, man, these are great. These are, this is, this is why we're, this is why we're co-hosts, Christian. Um, man, Harrison Barnes. I, I, once again, I'd have to, I'd have to look at the financial side of it. Um, but just as a player, um, I don't know. So before I watched this preseason game, I would have probably said, yeah, yeah, probably maybe like a hesitant yes. But man, I'm not gonna get too much into it right now. I I really like what I saw from CJ, and I've kind of had a renewed uh, uh, lust for his game. So you know, I Harrison Barnes though. I, I watched some of those highlights from uh, his from his preseason debut with the Mavericks and Luca and and DeAndre and. You know, I think that he's, I think that he's solid. I don't know. I, I would say him and Tobias are, are like right on the cusp, but it would really just depend on at that point of uh, age and, and how much they're going to cost us financially, you know? Yeah. And Barnes is paid just under what CJ's paid and there's one less year on his contract than CJ. Um, I think I would be more likely to take Tobias than Harrison Barnes, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not really too high on either of them, but it's definitely also- close. I also think that Tobias would probably cost us a little bit more money, though. I think that I think that Harrison is a little bit more underrated. Yeah, it says Harris only has one year left on his contract at fourteen million. I don't know if that's up to date, um, but I think he'd be demanding quite a bit more at the end of his contract year. Well, you know, I was just gonna say Tobias. Tobias, uh, his his stock is going up, dude. It's going it's going nowhere but up. He's like I said, he's about to go into a contract year, and I have a strong inclination that he will not be a Los Angeles Clipper next year yeah next I got DeRozan what if the it's not working with the Spurs for whatever reason would you trade for DeRozan absolutely yeah I'll (laughs) I'll definitely take DeRozan I think that's definitely more likely the Spurs wouldn't want to trade that's for sure 
Well, and think about it, too, is, like, a lot of people say, oh, we need this wing player that's, like, 3 and D, but at the same time, Evan Turner is the only, I want to say, I wouldn't even say elite, but um, above average, like, really, really good, I don't know, that's about the best vocabulary I have for this, uh, mid-range jumper. Um, I think that he's, or mid to close range, Evan Turner has that game. But aside from that, like, the Blazers are kind of, they're kind of strapped for, like, the analytics, the analytics roster. Like, they have a lot of, like, really big, bang down low guys, and then that, that in-between game, yeah, CJ's got it. Obviously, CJ's got it. He's a, he's a, he's a star in the league. But I think that it wouldn't be the worst thing to have DeRozan on on that squad just because it would it would give us some of that mid-range. Do I think that that would ever happen? I I don't think so. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take DeRozan over CJ. It's it's fairly close. I mean, CJ's awesome. There's the loyalty aspect to it. I think CJ wants to stay in Portland, so I I love and respect him for that, but I think DeRozan could do more for what the Blazers need. And as much as I love DeRozan, don't get me wrong, I love his game. I think he's fantastic. I do think that he is overvalued. I think that, which is kind of odd for me to say, being that I've been kind of his cheerleader through the three episodes that we've had here, but um, I think that he is slightly overvalued, and I think that CJ is slightly undervalued. So I think that a lot of executives would be looking at that trade like kind of laughing, whereas some of our diehard, maybe even biased fans would think it'd be a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, and I think CJ on most other teams in the league probably has a bigger role. Uh, and okay, that sounds really weird. Uh, he has a huge <laughs> role with the Blazers, but if he were playing mostly point guard on another team, like starting point guard, uh, say he's on the Suns and he has Devin Booker who he's passing to, and he has more of a Damian role than the CJ role that he has on the Blazers, I think he could do more on a lot of other teams. Um, than he does with the Blazers if he were in a point guard position. Um, I don't know I, I, if he has the playmaking skill to keep up with it, but I think he could do more. I think he's, I think he's the best ISO player on the Blazers, especially after watching. Maybe I'm overreacting after that preseason game, but I think, I think, he's, hands, I think he's hands down the best ISO player we have, um, which is crazy because that makes you recognize how much Dame has to do in all other aspects of his game to be first team. CJ yeah. wasn't CJ wasn't even an all star this last year. Now, granted, that was in the West, and the West is stacked. But Dame was first team NBA. Now, also silver lining being that there were some injuries um, amongst point guards in the NBA. But still, I, th- I think that that really speaks to Dame's overall well roundedness in his game. Um, because if if you watch him and CJ both offensively, they're both phenomenal, phenom- phenomenal. Oh my goodness. But uh, I think that CJ CJ just has a lot in his tool belt. Um, so Dame's, Dame's just, you know, I guess it, my moral of the story is kudos to Dame for uh, for stepping it up on defense and, and playmaking. I think he's, I think that first yeah. team All-NBA was well-deserved. Yeah. So do you think CJ has a chance to be an All-Star this year? Gosh, it's so tough. Um, I'm going to answer that question with a question. Um do you think that we're going to shift from conference playoff seedings or like just conference, uh, I don't know if this is the word for it, but like segregation, <laughs> you know, like yeah. in, in all, cause like we had the, we had the team LeBron and the team Steph stuff. So I suppose that's kind of been a little washed away in the all-star sense, but um, it's, it's not so much about like CJ's game because if he was in the East, he'd be, he would have been a multi, multi-year all-star by this point. Yeah. But it's really just about how everyone else does, unfortunately, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't think that the NBA is going to drop that anytime soon. It's possible that they could drop uh, the conferences within, like, five years, but I think if they were to do anything big like that, it's probably more like ten years down the road. Um, right. That's assuming there's no big expansion, which you can hear about more in our uh, last podcast, uh, episode two. We talked about league expansion, but a couple of rapid-fire guys. These guys just say... Yes or no? If the other team is willing to trade this person for CJ, are you going to trade him? Clay Thompson. Yes. Draymond Green. No. No? No, absolutely not. All right. Sorry, I, I, I left the rapid fire. All right, Bradley Beal. <laughs> uh, no. Aaron Gordon. Yes. Chris Middleton. 
Mm, no. Andre Drummond. Yes. Kevin Love. No. Jabari Parker. No. Wow. We vary a lot on some of those. <laughs> I I think I'd take Clay and Draymond. I think Draymond. I mean, it's tough to say because he could just be a product of the Assistant Golden State player. Warriors. I think he's solid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's gonna be solid regardless. But whether or not he's, he's not, like he's not CJ. an All Star level, I don't know. I'd still take Draymond for CJ. I think Bradley Beal. I'm I've always been pretty high on Bradley Beal. Obviously, Washington hasn't really put it together, but. I think I might take Bradley Beal for CJ. Um, Aaron Gordon, I don't think I'd take Aaron Gordon for CJ. I just don't. I think he's an athletic guy, um, and he could be like a better Mo Harkless on the Blazers. And I say that, and you probably think I'm crazy, but I don't think he'd really be that phenomenal. And I'd probably take Chris Middleton uh, for CJ. Um, I don't know, just his length and everything. Just watching teams try to play the Bucks with. Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton and Tony Snell playing defense. It's it's tough to play against them. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Middleton. I think that's more of a shakeup move. When I when I yeah. think about when I think of Gordon, I think um, it's a lot of it's situational, right? So uh, if let's say CJ gets traded for Gordon in in that world, Seth Curry is not that bad of a of a guy to be stepping into those shoes. Especially I agree, yeah. Dame. Especially That's with Dame point. being Dame being the slasher that he is. Seth Curry's not that bad. Now, if we had if Wade Baldwin, uh, don't get me wrong, love Wade's game, but if that was like our next man up, I would have a different answer. But we have Seth Curry, I think that's a good reserve to bring in. And then I think it not only do you gauge the difference in the drop-off of losing CJ, you also gauge the difference in the addition at the position that Gordon would be going into, so I yeah. think that the I think that the the step up from Chief to Gordon is is even though Gordon might not be Drummond or uh, Clay Thompson, I think that he is significantly better than our current options at the four. Yeah, that's yeah. The I, I definitely that. see the argument. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm also just like the rose. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to get so passionate right there. But no, <laughs> my uh, my uh, my two dark horses this year uh, are are Gordon and, and DeRozan. Those are the two guys that I really want to watch this year. Gordon and DeRozan are dark horses for what most improved player or what? I would well DeRozan. Obviously, I had I had had that lofty that lofty statement of uh, dark horse for MVP out of out of. Uh, San Antonio. Now that's that's like I said, that's a dark horse uh, candidate. But and then Aaron Gordon, more so just from the stance. I, sh- I maybe shouldn't have used that term, but more so from just the stance of just seeing what he can do. You know, he committed to Orlando. He he bought into that contract. They got Mo Bamba. They got a couple young guys. Like I I, I think that it's just a uh, one of those we really want to see what he can do years. Yeah, and I could see. Uh a CJ for Aaron Gordon trade happening just because the Magic have been without a good point guard forever. I mean, their last decent point guard was Jameer Nelson, as far as I know, um, yeah. back when he was playing with Dwight Howard, and that he wasn't spectacular. And CJ McCollum playing point guard, and he's you know a scoring point guard. That could be something that they jump at, and they already have so much front court depth that I you know losing Aaron Gordon, even though he's the main guy, like they still have. Mo Bamba at center. They have Jonathan Isaac. They spent the sixth overall pick on him last year. So I could see them doing that trade. And I think it more so comes down to the Blazers if they want to shake things up and if they think that Aaron Gordon would be that much of an improvement. Absolutely. So that was uh, that was our, our covering of Matt's question regarding um, realistic uh, trades for CJ, realistic hypothetical trades for CJ. There was another one that I think you wanted to cover too from from one of our uh, listeners. Yes, sir. Go for it. You were, you were going to talk about those those possible trades for CJ. We were talking about Jimmy and all the hype surrounding Jimmy. I I I feel like we may have talked about this on our last episode, but I don't think I would make that trade. How do you feel about about the whole Jimmy situation in uh, the context of possibly ever coming to Portland? And you're talking about Jimmer Ferdet, right? No, no, no. 
<laughs> Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Oh, oh, okay, that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to get Jimmy Butler using any other player than Dame and CJ. Dame, CJ, Jimmy Butler, you know, maybe it'll cost a big man. I don't think so, but if you have, um, you know, Nurkic in there and Aminu, that's a really solid starting five. So I would gladly trade anyone else first, but if it's if the question is Butler for CJ, I think I'd go for it. Yeah. It would suck to lose him after a year. It would be nice to get some cap space at the end of the year. Not that it would really get us that much, but I think I'd go for it. I think I think the the key the key point that you made was uh, the the after the year thing. If it's if it's just purely on the court, I'll level with you and say yeah. But that, that's a, that's a pretty big risk to take from a from a business standpoint. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy with keeping the team we have. Okay, maybe not perfectly happy. I'm happy with keeping <laughs> the team we have and saying, you know what, Dame and CJ are awesome. They're fan favorites. Dame can keep playing, and hopefully by the end of it, we can call him the greatest Blazer ever. I'm I'm happy with that. I don't think we're winning a championship with the way Golden State is, the way the Celtics are looking. Whatever's going to happen in L.A. with LeBron, I'm sure within a couple years, they're going to have a couple more MVP caliber players over there. So, I mean, it is what it is. The Blazers probably aren't going to be winning anytime soon. But there are ways we can get a closer chance at it, and getting Jimmy without CJ is definitely putting us in a higher tier um so if there's any way to get him i would call up minnesota and be like hey if you're about to take a trade call us first because we'll you know i wouldn't say this but you know we'll throw in cj if we need to make something happen and you can see if that's better than what you would get because you know right now i'd be offering collins and i don't know harkless and whoever else whoever else they want they can they can pick two or three guys out of everyone that's not Damon CJ, see if they like it, throw in a pick, I don't know. So But I'd have CJ as as a backup plan. If you if you're really gonna take something else, see if we can make something happen with CJ first. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, no, I would I would probably just I would I would side with that for sure. The next the next topic that was that was posed to us I think was by your friend Chris Barnes. Yeah. And that was, you know, how improved do we see Collins being this season? I think we covered that at length our last episode, but I think he was more so looking for, like, position-wise, how he would fit into it and how that would kind of butterfly affect the other people uh, within the starting lineup. Yeah, and we've talked about the comparison to Myers Leonard in their rookie season, and that scares me, but I'm going to make the assumption. I'm going to say Collins will improve significantly, I think he has the chance to be in the starting lineup by the end of the year. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think he definitely could be by the start of next year, especially considering there could be some shakeups at different positions on the team by next year. But I don't see him in the starting lineup this year. I'm hoping he will be, um, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and i got to be honest. I mean, when I saw him towards the tail end of last season and through the mid- midway of last season, I, I thought to myself, like, wow, this guy does not force anything he's solid um and he's got a he's got a couple you know moves in his tool belt but i haven't really seen much since uh summer league and preseason even though it's only been one game but summer league especially he was very active defensively uh it's hard to be bad at, at that with that body around the rack but defensively he was he was great this offseason yeah. in, in terms of summer league and whatnot, but I did not see anywhere near what I was expecting offensively, or I think what any of the other analysts uh, on like Blazers Edge or any of those guys were expecting. He, he kind of hasn't shut up on that end of the floor. Yeah. And I could see Zach Collins finishing games for us. There were a lot of games that Nurk didn't finish last year because he was tired or he was getting in foul trouble or he just didn't have um, the tenacity that Stotts wanted out of him. So I could definitely see Collins performing better than Nurkic and finishing a lot of games, but I don't think they're going to take the step to put him in starting lineups um, outside of injury. Right. And did you happen to see that that quote uh, from him saying that he expects to play, have more minutes this season? Did you happen to see that? I didn't see that, no. So he, he had, I think, during media day, uh, relinquished that he had thought he deserved more minutes 
for this coming season. And Stotts had responded later in the day saying something along the lines of, well, you know, we want to give him those more minutes, but he's got to be more mindful of his foul trouble. Um, and, you know, we just have to – and he also – he said foul trouble and his shape, his, his like, physical mm. condition. So um, I thought that was interesting. Do you have any, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean – that makes sense. That's kind of how it works with young players. Usually, is they got to work on the fouling, especially as a big man. You know, causing a disturbance in the paint without letting them take advantage of you. That's definitely a big way to earn more minutes. So I I agree with Stotts on that. That makes sense. How how about that? Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and and being one of those media people that I didn't like when I was coming up and following the Blazers, but. How about that second part to that comment, the being in shape part? I feel like last off season that would be expected or acceptable, but now this is this is the second year in a row where that's been a headline, or at least something that's been discussed. How do you feel about that? And you're talking about Collins bulking up? No, no, I'm sorry, uh, Nurkic. Uh, just because I think. Oh, we, are you? You'd, Oh, are we? <laughs> we're on Whoa! <laughs> Sorry about that. Hang on. <laughs> I, I thought that you had you had brought up Nurkic at length, and I kind of I kind of went into a a little bit of a tangent. Sorry about that. I I must have missed something there. Yeah. No. Uh. So Nurkic thinks he's gonna get more minutes, meaning he will not be sitting at the end of games. And yeah, that makes sense. Like Stotts said, if he because cause you watch Nurkic throughout the season. It's kind of like you said before in our last episode, the they had the bad boys mentality for about a month or two, and then it's, it was hard to keep it up, and a lot of it was Nurkic getting lazy on plays, not following through, and um, I just, I hope he improves, he, it's, it's tough to see it after he's gotten paid, um, definitely before you get paid, you'd think you'd step it up first, but hopefully he plays strong throughout every game, and you know, I hope that he's good enough to start, no, I mean, finish games, but, I mean, we'll see. I, th- I think Collins will be finishing a lot of games because it'll be a lot more of the same of Nurk at the end of the game. Right, and, and that's and that's why I had gotten on that tangent. We had talked about, you know, Zach Collins' role, and um, I think that we are somewhat on track here with, with uh, your friend Chris Barnes' question. You know, we talked about how Zach Collins' role would affect the others. Well, you know, if, if Nurk does make that step in limiting his foul trouble and um, being in good shape, then that's going to affect where I think Zach's going to end up. Uh, I think something that we had addressed in, in the pilot or maybe even the second episode was just the lack of depth that we have in our front court is is kind of shocking. So I think the result of that is going to be people's well-doing and uh, mal-doings are going to be magnified. You know, if someone's gonna if someone performs well for a couple weeks, then I think they're gonna see a lot more minutes than they maybe would have last year or in recent years, um, and yeah. vice versa. Yeah, I think Layman and Leonard are definitely gonna have chances to get more involved. I see one of them not playing much this season. It just kind of depends on how they both play, but I, I think one of them, one of the two of them, is gonna have a chance to have a lot of minutes, and I think it's probably gonna be Leonard if he. You know, I think Stotts wants to see him break out. Everyone wants to see him break out. Most people are very pessimistic about him breaking out, but just looking at the center rotation, I'm sure he's going to get minutes, and I think he's going to capitalize on it. Yeah, that's uh, – I got to admit, as, as, a, as someone who's been recently following the Blazers here, just avidly, I'd say, in the past five to six years, I've seen the whole Blazers – I mean, sorry, Myers uh, hype – before like that that hopeful headline before but yeah. I've never seen it quite as much as I have right here in the last week on and and maybe maybe I'm just living in a bubble or something but it seems as though my social media platforms are dominated by Blazers fans who are touting Myers uh, recent performances yeah I mean he was the MVP of the fan fest so take take that however you want to but I mean, one thing I notice when you look at the preseason, we'll talk more about preseason soon, but he didn't get any rebounds in that preseason game. So that's a little concerning really? for a guy who's seven feet tall. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Ooh, that, we don't like so, that. 
Yeah, I see zero rebounds, zero blocks, four fouls. So that's a little concerning. But he so, did, I mean, he was plus six in his plus minus. But we'll, so, we'll talk more about preseason, yeah. Yeah, so I mean on that topic, what has been your take on uh, Blazer Tag? Thank you for giving us some of the suggestions. Uh, wanted to hear about Media Day and, and Fan Fest. So did you happen to – I know that you said you were trying to go to Fan Fest. What was going on there? Oh, well, I, I had stuff this weekend, and I had been planning on going to Fan Fest. Then I realized I had something, and then that got canceled. And then by then I forgot about Fan Fest, and it was too late. So didn't yeah, work I, out for me. And I think we saw our our, uh, our friends Blazer Tag were, were over at that event. But there was I saw a pretty cool video of the, the – the Trailblazers media social media account had reposted of two younger guys that were there at 6 p.m. and were the first ones in line and that's pretty cool that they do that you know free of charge for yeah. the fans especially when they're charging how much for the Lakers opener uh right now standing room only is 125 there's some seats that are like 125 and 40 cents so you know looking Jeez. at those right now but we'll see no one take those if you're listening don't take my seats I'm waiting for okay. them to drop more <laughs> So, I mean, clearly we, we might not be the, the best people to uh, discuss the fan fest and, and the occurrences that had happened there, but um, did you see see any stuff from Media Day that, that you liked or uh, had had any opinions on? Man, I just, I just kind of look at stuff on Twitter, see what's happening. I see like, oh, Dame commented on being a reporter about reporters switching yeah. locations and stuff like that. So I, I didn't that. get too in-depth on the Media Day stuff. Um, for me, it's it's kind of what you'd expect every year. There's knowing the Blazers with Olshay, they never really throw anything huge out there. But um, it was nice to hear more about loyalty from Damon CJ. But there's there's nothing huge, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I would say, and, and maybe I'm speculating and throwing a little bit more fuel to the fire than necessary. But I would say that uh, it's been readily apparent to me that the Blazers have adopted the younger guys into their culture much quicker than they have like Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas. Yeah. Not to tr- I don't I, trust me. The last thing I want to do as a fan is try to divide that team like they <laughs> we need cohesion, but just in, in in watching some of the media day coverage, it seems like those two are kind of just there. They're just kind of next to the team, which I don't want because watching their watching their preseason and and who knows maybe maybe I'm not seeing the most but um, those two guys are going to be solid for us so I, I I really hope to see some of that cohesion going forward and granted they are they're a little bit older they're a little bit more veteran players so they don't really have the luxury to just fly down to Oakland for the day yeah so I know we were going to talk a little bit about that too. How uh, Dame and Dame and CJ did that little quick trip down there to Oakland. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I I like watching football, and so did the Blazers apparently. So it's pretty well, cool I'm, that they did that. Well, and I'm down here in Arizona, so we got to watch. You're a pretty avid Seahawks fan, right, Christian? Ao. Yep. Yeah, they did. They did pretty well this weekend. They uh, they beat the Cardinals. I mean, that's not the stiffest competition, but I mean, take what you can get. It was a close one. Cardinals aren't very good, but Seahawks got the win, two and two, starting off fresh. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So I mean, Dame, uh, Dame got the bragging rights over CJ there with that, uh, with that Oakland Browns game. I actually watched the first half. I want to say the first three quarters of that, um, and it was a neck and neck game. I think they even maybe went into overtime. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but yeah. So they went and watched from, to my knowledge, CJ and, and Dame and. And for me and Gary, Evan, and Maurice went down to the Oakland Stadium just for the first half of the day and then came back in time for the Fan Fest. So definitely first world problems right there. <laughs> yeah. But all right, man. Well, was there uh, anything else that you wanted to dive into that caught your eye this week or in the past couple weeks? Yeah, let's uh, just a couple more things from the listeners chris barnes uh second part to his question was how do we see minutes being split up at the guard spots and do either of the rookies get a chance to prove themselves outside of garbage time i don't think that they get a chance to prove themselves outside of garbage time i'd like to see uh gary trent hopefully getting some chances but i really don't think that they will this season um and he that's assuming there's no significant injuries 
As far as minutes being split up at the guard spot, I think we're mostly just going to be seeing a four-player rotation of Dame, CJ, Seth Curry, and Evan Turner playing a lot of that backup guard. Mm. Um, I that's that's what I see happening. I think Stauskas might get some chances. Um, I hope he can be a good three-point shooter and uh, play a lot of bench minutes, but I think it's mostly going to be those four guys. Have they put him at the three at all in his previous teams with the Nets and I think the Sixers he was with? I'm not positive on that. Yeah, I, think I feel like he, he could six, play... 6'5", 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, that might be a, a bit of a small three, but, you know, um, I think that him and him and Wade, it's we just have so much depth in our backcourt right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of yeah, he's 6'6". Six, six. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be small ball lineups with him at the three, possibly yeah. even the four, considering different teams that we play there there might be some really small ball lineups that we play but yeah i think he'll get some minutes at the three but that's that's if he can step up and actually earn any minutes this season yeah yeah i mean him and him and seth both hit a hit a three in, in preseason that preseason game so uh love yeah. to see that and then two quick ones for amelia eldridge she asked unverse unforeseen versus sloppy wet nothing to do with the blazers but i'm going unforeseen Daniel Gamalin, my brother, Ao, is it black or blue or white and gold? That's about the dress. We all know that. It's uh, black and blue, and I'm oh, done talking man. about it. Oh, that I feel like that's such an old thing. Dude, it's like, really? Are we still bringing this up? They got new ones. They got Laurel and Yanny. They got a pair of shoes where it's like, is it teal and white? Or I don't know what it was. Maybe, okay, blind, so, so, it all... so tying back that to the Blazers... Maybe there's like an alternate reality or perception where the Blazers are NBA champions. <laughs> I will you take know, that alternate some, reality, please. Yeah. Some people, some people perceive the dress to be blue. Some people perceive it to be one way. Maybe some people perceive the Blazers to be NBA champions. Uh, I mean, we're summer league champions, so yeah, that's that's a possible reality. I really want to get one of those shirts. Oh, that'd be great. Let's do some preseason takeaways. I'm just going to list off a few, um, just some some basic things that happened in that first preseason game. I don't want to take any too seriously, but Swanigan got boards. I think he got eight, the most of any Blazer. Lehman started. Uh, he missed shots. He was only two for ten, but he had the highest plus-minus on the team. The team lost, and he had a plus-minus of plus seven, so that's mm. a good sign. Myers had plus six, so... It means what it means. I don't think it really is too significant, but better than missing a bunch of shots and making the team lose. Nurkic made a three, so that's promising. He took two. That threes. was interesting. Yeah. Do you think, you think gonna we're going to see many you... threes? <laughs> it looks like we have the same uh, same question. Um, Jinx. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, if he's making them, I'll take it, gladly. But, yeah, I'm sure he'll try it out at the start of the season and it won't work long-term, and we'll just cut it out of the game. I think think that a corner three would be palatable this season. Get the corner three for one season, okay, then we'll move on to the... You can hit the rest of the arc. Yeah. I mean, I could see... Instead of pick and roll, we got... He'll set a pick... Dame drives to the basket, Nurk steps outside, and he passes it back, and maybe he's open. I think that could be a possibility. I, th- I think right. I've seen that quite a bit with Myers. Speaking of Myers, Myers was 3 for 4 on 3-pointers, and uh, of course he was the uh, FanFest MVP, and also, as I said, had zero rebounds in the game against the Raptors, so what do we think about Myers Leonard? We've talked about him a lot. Uh... I think that he probably got a lot of his showtime in the second half of that preseason game against the Raptors. And just being honest, I, I, I was really paying attention to that first half. I don't know. I mean, isn't this isn't this narrative so played out? I feel like I feel like he always every that, year. Yep. That that first that first episode you'd ask me about, you know, where he was going this season, and I feel and I and I even said I think that first episode, he is such a spurty player. There's two or three possessions where you're like, wow, if, if, if he can do that, like, consistently, but it's like, he can say that for 75, 80% of NBA players, like, every, if not, if not almost all of them, they, they can be good for a couple possessions, so I'm, I'm gonna need to see a little bit more before I jump on that bandwagon. 
All right, let's get a plus or minus on this season. Are we going to spend an average of three minutes on Myers Leonard per podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Man, uh, he's definitely a pretty polarizing topic, so I would say per podcast, I'd say plus. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, well... We'll see. We'll, we'll try to temper that in future podcasts. Hopefully we'll be talking about Myers all the time. We'll talk about Dame, talk more about how much I love Dame. So a couple more things from uh, the preseason game. Cam Oliver had a block. It was a pretty sick block. He's cool. I don't I don't know how he did throughout the rest of the game, really. But uh, Chinanu Onuaku. I'm probably butchering that. I'm sorry if I am. Underhanded free throw. You see that? I love it. Oh, it's wonderful. I absolutely Two for love four, it. just as good as Nurk, and he's shooting overhand. I'll I will gladly take some underhanded free throws to break the monotony in Portland. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's on he's on a two way contract, right? Um, where's where's he out of? Oh, I don't know. We got a lot of guys that are just sitting around. We got uh, Gary Payton the second. We got him on the team, and I'm sure he's going to be gone by the start of the season. But I mean, Chinanu Onuaku. I think I'm. I think I'm saying that somewhat right. I'm pronouncing every letter. Right. He was minus ten in the game as far as a plus minus, two boards, one turnover. In ten minutes, he he got four points. I mean, I will cut someone to put him in that fifteenth slot to hopefully see him shoot an they, underhanded free throw in a in a game in a live NBA game. I will gladly. In my, in my opinion, the Blazers picked him up for an injury, right? Like, so even though they're looking at Myers Leonard, Nurkic, and Collins as like a limited in-depth front court, those guys, I mean, Myers and Myers and Collins, those guys are in good shape. Like, they can run for a minute. Nurkic, yet to see. But I think they got uh, Onaku, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, they got him for the weird stretch in February where one of those three guys is out and one of the other ones gets in foul trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, that guy's... He's he's not going to see any real minutes, but I think that the underhanded free throws are nice to look at. Well, I don't... I'm not sure how it works, so maybe that's something I'll look into by the next podcast, but I think there's only 15 players that are on the team, like... For good, like only 15 players. So there's guys that we can bring in for training camp and maybe see if they can earn their way onto the team. But I think once the season starts, it's 15 guys and everyone um, else is free to be picked up by everyone else. So. That, okay, understood. Yeah, I thought that that was, I thought that had already been addressed post uh, summer league, but um, I was unaware that there was another threshold point where even more will, will get cut. So what's our current roster size at? So right now we got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 we're playing in that preseason game. Hmm. So we're looking at Onuwaku and Gary Payton the second. Oh, and Cam Oliver. So those three guys are fighting for the last roster spot. That's my understanding. Because um, hmm. Simons, he's our first-round pick. Trent, he's our second-round pick. We traded for him. Uh, so those guys should be on the roster regardless. Um, but yeah, I'll look into by the next podcast how that works with other players we can potentially hold on to because I know there's overseas players that teams have rights to and stuff like that, so we can check that out. Talk about it next time. Absolutely. All right. Man. So, well, you had a couple other uh, headlines we wanted to cover. Yeah. So just one thing from the preseason is Aminu started at the three. Do you think we're going to see Aminu starting at the three at all this season? Well. I don't think that Mo Harkless is, this might be kind of condemning, but I don't think Mo Harkless is really ever coming back. I think he's going to come back, obviously, from his injury. And, yeah, he'll see some couple, he'll see maybe even a couple months at a time of, of playing time. But I think that, I think that his uh, tenure in Portland might, might have been used up. So, uh, on that note, yes, I think that we'll see a lot more Minu at three. And I think that. We'll see a lot more Myers and Collins at four, or maybe even Lehman. I like Lehman at the four. All right, let, let the record show that Christian disagrees with Austin, and he wants more Mo Harkless. <laughs> Mo often. Mo on. often. Mo often. How could you be Mo Harkless? Oh, no. Okay. 
Bring Kanye and the Blazers together. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, no. something we started on our last episode that I want to keep going. This week it's a, a little less uh, podcast time. Is the future of the NBA. So, we like to talk about things that could change, things that we think should change, propositions we have. Uh, so, this week I just want to talk about some minor tweaks in the rules of the NBA. So, the first one, just... Uh, Throw it out there. Four pointer. You want? Do you ever want a four pointer in the NBA? No, that's too much. I agree with you. Four point line. Like what the heck? No, thank you. Throw it in like an All Star game or something, but don't bring that to the NBA. Something that I think should change is shots behind the half court line shouldn't count against your field goal percentage if you miss them. Like if mm. you take a shot and you're fouled and you miss that shot just is negated. It's just as if you never took it. Whereas if you make it, it counts toward your field goal percentage. I think that's something the NBA should change. First off, for fantasy basketball. We can talk more about that in the future. (laughs) But when you're missing a shot because you're taking a full court shot with .3 seconds left in the game, I think that's ridiculous that it affects it, especially when a lot of players have three-point percentage and field goal percentage in their contracts for certain clauses. So you don't want players who are scared to take a long three-pointer because they might lose $50,000 for it, you know? So uh, I don't see a reason why half-court shots should be included in your field goal percentage. I don't think it's an accurate representation of how you as a player have been shooting, you know? So, so in my opinion, I feel like that should be addressed in the contracts. So, like, the NBA should be going to organizations and, and players, I mean, sorry, uh, owners and, and executives and saying, like, this is this is no longer... Um, you can. You're still more than welcome to impose uh, stipulations on players' contracts for three-point percentage, you know, attained. But the you know half court and before uh, can no longer be a part of a contract because it's it's being it's causing the game to uh, detrimental effects to the game. Uh, like you said, players not taking certain shots, even though you know how often if if it's if the situation is really calling for it, like a player is going to take it, um, but. I think that I would rather see that be addressed on the on the ownership side than I would the the NBA legislation side, if possible. Okay. Yeah, I I think it should be taken away from affecting your field goal percentage, but we can agree to disagree. One other thing is fouls. This is something that I've recently thought of, and my head just keeps spinning with it. I would prefer the NBA get rid of fouling for strategy. In whatever way that that means, I think strategic (laughs) fouling is bad for the game. That's my opinion. People can disagree with me. I don't care. We can argue about it. Let's go for it. I do care your opinion. That's not what I meant when I said I don't care. (laughs) But when I see flopping, when I see James Harden and now every single guard in the league leaning into three-pointers to try to get a foul out of it, I think that takes away from the integrity of the game. And it is what it is. I still love it. I'm still going to keep watching the NBA, but... I think that hack-a-shack and leaning into fouls should just be taken away, where fouls are only if both players are playing hard and there's contact. I don't think it should be, oh, you know, there's 20 seconds left in the game and they're up, so I'm going to foul this guy. I don't think that should be a thing. Right, and I I think that that most people probably wouldn't disagree with you on that being uh, bad for the game. I think that that most people would just probably agree with you that they don't have a solution for it yet, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think the solution for it, if we're being honest, is just the, the way the game is going, right? So, like, 20 years ago, the shots that, that players are taking nowadays would have been laughed at in a practice facility, in an NBA practice facility. But yeah. now we're looking for guys like Jaron Jackson. That guy is huge. He's got to be at least a 6'10". You know, maybe even a seven-footer. That guy's huge, and he is automatic, automatic from behind the arc. So, in my opinion, I don't even know if it's going to come from a, a standpoint of, of rules implemented within the league as much as it is the direction that the game is going and that young centers in their formative stages are going to be uh, expected to make those shots. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of that's I mean, my that's my two cents on on that. I I think that you're right about 
solutions being hard to come by as far as fouling. But I think some of it can be pretty simple. Like uh, if you talk about James Harden, and I mean Dame does it too and a lot of other players, but leaning in on a three-pointer or even a two-pointer to try to get a foul, I think that can be easily changed just by saying if a player makes a motion that appears to... Like, if, if they're taking a shot and it's not their normal shot, if they right. change their trajectory in order to get a foul, then it's not a foul. And if, I, if I think they, that's if pretty they alter easy a natural, If they alter a natural shooting motion, then it's, yeah. it's, it's no longer considered. And I, that's, that's actually a really good point that you make because I'm, I'm, I think I speak for a lot of NBA fans when I say I'm tired of saying that. Yeah, and I mean, Even, everyone knows beef, balance, eyes, elbow, follow through, whatever, <laughs> Even whatever a lot it's of called, the, I don't know. Even a lot of the national telecasters like hate on that. They'll be watching like if you watch just like a, a TNT Thursday night game, like eh, nine out of ten times when when one of those plays happens, when the the guard or someone just jumps into someone behind the arc, you hear at least one or two of the announcers sigh and be like, "Why is that? Why is that even a thing anymore?" Yeah, and it's like if if this player is giving up their balance just to lean into a guy and try to get a foul, they're clearly not shooting to make a shot. They're shooting right. to get free throws out of it and I, I just think that's ridiculous so I think there's ways they can tweak it to try to take away intentional fouling in the NBA um, and I would prefer it but I mean it, it's tough I mean end of games might not be as exciting when the team that's up is up by one and there's 20 seconds left and they can just hold on to it without getting fouled but I mean that just may, means that from 40 seconds to 24 seconds it's going to be more exciting rather than from 24 seconds to zero. And I think that keeps better game integrity if there's not intentional fouling, but that's just my opinion. Uh, you can disagree with me if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I just look at it as kind of, uh, you know, survival of the fittest, right? So I think that a lot of young, young, young men are going to be looking at it, looking at the league and looking at guys like Capella, who I think has kind of refined his free throw, and DeAndre Jordan and saying, I don't want to be in that position, so they're going to practice a little bit of it. But likewise, I think that there there will be some nuances that are tweaked in, in some of those fouls that we had just discussed. Well, I know that we had some quirky uh, possible subjects to cover. Uh, another question from Matt Eldridge was, best Blazers in a zombie apocalypse? So there's a couple aspects to this. There's who's going to last the longest, who you want to have on your team if you're shooting up some zombies and uh who would become the scariest zombies to have to face so anyone off the top of your head you'd want on your team someone who's you know definitely a born zombie killer man as as much as it pains me to say this (laughs) myers leonard what why he's huge he's huge that guy is huge. huge he just puts his arms out and spins around and the zombies just fly back in fear yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that's and that's part of the frustration with the basketball stuff, right? Like we see all these workout videos and stuff from him. Like this guy is an athletic phenomenon. He's like seven feet tall and he's stacked. Like that dude's that dude's gonna peel a zombie's head off, no problem. Just imagine you're standing like in front of Myers Leonard. Like you're just like his chest is to your back. And he sticks his arm out, and he's just stiff-arming zombies, and they're not even close to you because his arm's that long. Just imagine right. that. Uh, I mean, I, I had I actually thought about this question earlier when, when we decided that we were going to chat about it, but uh, it's a shame that we hadn't started this a year ago because that that, uh, that question would have very well been, been Mr. Ed Davis, but we have to move oh, on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so other than that, I mean, I'd, I'd take Dame or CJ on my team. They're, you know athletic guys they're born leaders so i'll take them on my team in a zombie apocalypse and i think we would do quite well uh i think i can make some good decisions but dame might be a little quicker with it right i feel and i was thinking about this earlier too and i don't know how my brain drew these correlations but i i feel like cj would have to have a utensil of some sort like (laughs) utensil because he's so he's so like i i have trouble pronouncing this word but like dexterous or whatever you know what i'm saying like he, dexterous lot, yeah yeah like his game his game is so uh focused on 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 those moves and whatnot so i feel like if you had some sort of uh if, if the zombies had a weakness or something and you had to just hit them with it i'm trusting cj with it oh yeah 
All right, well, let's uh, let's get the scariest zombies out of the way just real quick. I got Dame or CJ because they're fast. I think trying to outrun a zombie Dame would be near impossible. I think Nurkic, Collins, or Swanigan would all be freaky with that size. Imagine Nurkic is coming at you. Imagine Nurkic and a few more zombies, and then Nurkic falls on you. You're screwed. That guy's like, what, 250, 270, 300? I don't know. Way up there. More than 250, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> that is scary. And then uh, Aminu. Aminu's got a little bit of the zombie look, and he's got the, the big teeth. You see his smile? Wow. He has a beautiful smile. He's got a beautiful wow. smile, but those teeth, those things will take me out. Al Farouk, if you're listening to this, I do not endorse that opinion. You're a beautiful person. Don't worry about it. Oh, you're better looking than me. No, no question about <laughs> it. But I think I would be terrified to see a six foot eight zombie with the teeth of Aminu. And oh man, that would just be yeah. scary. Yeah. You see it too? I see it. Yep. I, yeah, I mean, he's the best defender on the team. So good luck trying to get around that zombie. Yeah, exactly. He's got length. Yeah, man. Um, did, did we have any other topics? So we covered, uh, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Um, so, and uh, we, just, we discussed a little bit of uh, Zach Collins and his role. And um, we discussed how that might kind of bleed over into the guards and, and what we expect to see there, um, as well as the Jimmy Butler trade. Was there, was there anything else that you wanted to cover? I think that's it. To Ryan Randall, I am wearing plaid. I wore plaid in our last episode as well. I don't know if Austin's wearing plaid, but uh, yeah, I, I took a picture beforehand. I took a picture during about 20 minutes ago. I took a picture, so I think uh, I have proved my point that I am a peeping plaid. <laughs> and in keeping with so. the uh, keeping with the, the spirit of integrity, I have to be honest and say that I'm, I'm not. I'm wearing a, a lovely plain white Hanes t-shirt, so... No! <laughs> no! Not, not again! Man. Thanks for listening to episode 3 of the Peeps and Plaid podcast. If you have something to say about the Blazers, we'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast. I only have one microphone, so we can roll it temptation style, but we'd love to get another opinion if you have something you'd like to discuss. Again, thank you for listening. Let us know what you'd like to hear us discuss next time. And in the meantime, here's some more from our friend Ziggy Zay. Check him out on Spotify. Thanks, Zay. Super Saiyan Coming at you like a beam of light Achieve a heist that I ain't never seen in life You see I'm elevated, told me that I'd never make it That I was done and then my mind accelerated Yeah I see I'm underrated but I never stated or debated I'm the greatest but the greatest me that I can beat I'm trying to put the whole crowd on the edge of their seats But I put a little bounce on the edge of the beast uh. I ain't really about the green, no piccolo Sleep out like a light, no sycamore Stay away from the devil, he a teaser But if you get close, I'ma have to go Vegeta, yeah Normally I'm cooler than a freezer But now I'm on 10, so there's fun to be a breeze, sir I got the dry, so they giving me the keys Taking juice to school just so they can pay the fees Pray and meditate, only way I'm on my knees Used to think I'm sick, now I really got the sneeze It's all God's plan, how I'm doing this with ease Yeah, sounds nice, I ain't here to appease I'm sailing the seas, I'm wavy, pessimist daisies No bragging, just refuse to be lazy No lagging, the connection is crazy Yeah, I do this as a hobby, but I spit like they pay me, yeah, yeah, yeah.